What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hey everybody, how's it going? Welcome back along to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, part of the 90 Min Football Network. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simiu, and on this edition of the show, we're going to be discussing the latest transfer reports concerning the Arsenal. We're going to be talking the links to Declan Rice. We're going to be talking Leandro Trossard. We're going to be talking about plenty more too. So make sure you stay with us. Make sure uh, you are sat nice and comfortably, that you are nice and warm because it is bloody freezing here in England again. I thought we were past this shit, but it's back again. Um, It's terrible. I'm ill again, which is not a surprise to anyone. Uh, Water is wet. Uh, You know, that's about as... uh, (laughs) as surprising as it gets when it comes to to me being ill and catching colds and, and all of that jazz. doesn't help when your kids go to nursery and come back with all sorts every single week. Uh, but I had a really busy, crazy day yesterday following the North London Derby, which I expected. Um, and that has just, yeah, it's just pushed me over the edge, I think. So need to take it slightly easier today. Um, let's see if that's possible, uh, given, um, given, uh, yeah, given uh, how see- things seem to be in the Arsenal world at the moment. Matt Tomo says, uh, water isn't wet. It makes dry things wet. That's a really good point. Really well done. Uh, what else have we got in the chat? Let's say a few hellos before we move into the conversation. Just a quick reminder, if you haven't done so already, please leave a like on the video. Subscribe to the channel if you are brand new. If you're wondering why the background is different, a few of you have asked me why the background is different in the live chat. Well, the reason is because... I've been so busy with work this morning. I didn't get a chance or I didn't think to go down to the man cave or studio and turn the heating on in advance. So I can only imagine that it is bloody freezing down there and I didn't want to sit in it. Nobody else is home. I thought I'd sit on my sofa. I've got my feet up in front of me. I've got my nice warm coffee here and I thought we could have a nice casual chilled chat about the Arsenal. Okay, uh, let's say some hellos. A uh, big hello to Afsar. Uh, big hello to Cypriot Guna, who says, don't tell Chelsea that we're interested in rice because they might outbid us again. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, a big hello to Matt, to George, uh, to Benjamin, uh, to Stilton Avenger, to Des. Uh, who else have we got? To Delisu, to PJ Kitely, uh, to Anthony London, who says, morning, Harry. Uh, it's cold, so grab yourself a brew and get comfortable. I took your advice, mate. A uh, big hello to Gangrel, to Henry, uh, to Derek to Johan, to Mohammed, to Creambone, uh, to V-Dub. What else have we got? Uh, James Bond is with us, Mr. 007 himself. Uh, Tebow says, first sneeze coming on eight minutes. I'm uh, I'm betting on it. Do you know what? I haven't, I don't think I'm at the, the sneezing phase yet. I'm at that annoying, like really bunged up phase where you want to talk and it's not really coming out. So you'll have to bear with me. Uh, King Moose says, CNN, Harry. Yes, um, thank you all so, so much for your amazing comments. I mean, I posted the CNN uh, video from yesterday. So I went into CNN World Sport yesterday to talk about the North London Derby. Uh, It was quite the experience. I've never had my hair and makeup done for television before. 
Um, it was weird, man, but it was a nice experience. Um, thank you to the guys for having me. Thank you for making me feel uh, so welcome as well. Um, big thank you, though, to you guys as well, because I got sent the clip a little bit later on in the day and I posted it on Twitter. And then I was quite busy yesterday evening, so I didn't really pay too much attention to Twitter. I wasn't really on my phone. And then I got home and I just was inundated with amazing comments, really nice comments from people uh, saying well done, saying that they enjoyed it, um, saying that I was right to point out Richarlison's uh, part in the whole Ramsdale incident at the end of the game, which yeah, I felt I had to get that in there. Um, which was which was nice to you know to have that platform. But yeah, the, the messages I had. Um, amazing so thank you all for your support it honestly means the world to me and um i might be ill i might be cold i might be tired i might be running on empty but i'll tell you what that north london derby victory has kept me going because it's been great hasn't it it's been great i mean for everybody it's been great i, I mean i can imagine uh, well i remember when i wasn't working in this business and when i was doing something totally different a north london derby win would give me a spring in my step a north london derby win or any big arsenal win for that matter, would would motivate me in the morning to get up, to go in, uh, to, to have a chat about the football with your friends and colleagues, etc., etc. But now that I work in it, it's even better because my day yesterday, my entire working day consisted of talking about Arsenal winning. What more do you want? What more do you want than that? So uh, who am I to complain? But yeah, anyway, look, we're going to... Um, we're going to get into the latest transfer stuff. I know we've been banging on for about five minutes now, but always good to see how you guys are, to check in with you guys, uh, to check in with the chat and uh, and get any other random shit off my chest. Um, I'm at home alone today, as I say, so there's no one to, te to tell it to. So I'm going to tell it to you guys. My extended Chronicles of Aguna family. Um, right, let's get into then some of these transfer stories because there's a couple... Uh, doing the rounds uh, since yesterday that I think will be of interest to people. Uh, we've got to talk about, first up, uh, Declan Rice. Now, 19 men uh, put out a story yesterday. Uh, Toby Cudworth, the head of uh, UK uh, editorial, and Graham Bailey, the transfer correspondent, uh, did a joint piece on this. They spoke about uh, West Ham United captain Declan Rice. They say Arsenal are interested in signing the West Ham captain, 90 men can confirm. The 24-year-old has repeatedly been linked with a move away from London Stadium with Chelsea, Manchester City, Manchester United and Liverpool, all known to be admirers of the England international. Until now, there's been no suggestion of Arsenal being keen to sign Rice, but 90 men understands that the success of the Gunners' Premier League campaign has allowed Mikel Arteta and the club's hierarchy to revisit their list of potential targets. Barring a collapse in the second half of the season, Arsenal look to be shoo-in qualifiers for next season's Champions League and there's every chance they could win the Premier League title. Calm down, lads. Sunday's 2-0 win over North London Derby, uh, North London rivals, I beg your pardon, Tottenham Hotspur, increased their advantage over the reigning champions, Man City, to eight points. Meanwhile, Rice finds himself at the wrong end of the table with a West Ham side who have struggled to get back into games after going a goal down. So, where are we uh, on this? Because West Ham, as it says in the article, have always maintained that any interested party will need to pay at least £100 million to sign Rice, though their bargaining power will continue to diminish as they battle to stay in the Premier League. 
Let's get you guys' thoughts um, on uh, on Declan Rice in the live chat. I'll share mine, but I want to know what you guys think about the potential of Arsenal moving for Declan Rice. So here's where I am on this, and this might surprise people. Do I rate Declan Rice as a midfield player? I do. Do I think he's a good midfield player? I do. Do I think that he's worth north of 100 million? I don't. That's my my opinion on the player. I think that he is a good midfielder, but I can't say that he's a 100 million plus midfielder. And the reason I can't say that is because for me now, he wouldn't get into this Arsenal midfield. Where does he fit in? For me, he's not better than Thomas Partey at playing the role that Mikel Arteta requires his number six deep line midfield player, whatever you want to call him to play. He's not better at Thomas Partey in progressing the ball. I'd argue maybe he's a bit better than him defensively in terms of making challenges and and using his physicality. But does he read the game as well as Thomas Partey? I don't think he does. Is he as progressive in his passing as Thomas Partey? Not for me. Um, Is he as press resistant as Thomas Partey? Not for me. So I don't think that... I think when you look at a midfield player and, and and you try and work out in your own mind how much he's worth. If you if he's not better than what you currently have, how can you justify paying a hundred million pounds plus to bring the guy in? You can't really. Does he fit in Granite Xhaka's position? I don't think so. Some people would argue that Declan Rice could play that slightly more advanced role, but I would argue that the fact that he's right-footed makes him less suited to that role. And one of the reasons that Granite Xhaka can do it quite comfortably is because he is left-footed. Granite Xhaka, I think, is arguably more effective in the final third in terms of being able to link up play with others. One of the things I love that Granite Xhaka does is he, he seems to get the ball in that half space. And the way he instantly knows that Martinelli is going to give him that width on the left-hand side and he just pings a left-footed pass out to him and it gets us going and it keeps us flowing and it keeps you know, the rhythm churning over. And it, it's, yeah, it's really, um, it's really good to see. Is he a Martin Odegaard? Absolutely not. He's nowhere near as technical as Martin Odegaard. And I don't think he's anywhere near as creative as Martin Odegaard. So my problem here is not that Declan Rice is a bad midfielder. It's that I don't really see where he fits. And if I can't find a place for him in the team, can I say that we should be spending north of £100 million to bring him in? And the answer is no. The answer is no. I think in the European market, in the global market, you can get much better value for a hundred million pounds than you can Declan Rice. Now people will make the the opposite argument and they'll say, but he's Premier League proven. He's English, so there's a premium on his price, which I think is nonsense, by the way. It's the most ridiculous thing. I mean, Rodri's better than him. Uh he costs he would he cost way less than him. Um Casemiro's better than him, Thomas Partey's better than him, in my opinion. So again, this is not me shitting on the guy because I think that if we're being completely honest, right? Thomas Partey is, is one of the best in the business. Declan Rice is probably in that bracket just below. So if he's not going to improve the team, is he worth spending a hundred million on? You could argue that we need depth and you could argue that if we do qualify for the Champions League, which at the moment we're on course to do, he, you know, would be a really good alternative option. But I think one of the reasons we're so effective at the moment and one of the reasons our midfield works so well is because it is perfectly balanced. You look at the skill sets of the individuals we currently have and they all 
you know, have certain qualities and then they have elements to their game that compensate for the maybe things that some of their colleagues lack. So, for example, uh, Martin Odegaard is incredibly creative, is incredibly um, effective in the final third when he drifts out to the right-hand side, when he gets into the half spaces, when he looks to open up defences, when he's, you know, taking shots from the edge of the box, as we saw at the weekend. And he presses incredibly hard and presses, for example, better than Granit Xhaka does. But does he have the defensive awareness that Granit Xhaka has to tuck in alongside Thomas Partey sometimes when we need that? No. So they balance each other out. And balance is a massive thing in midfields. It's not necessarily about having the best three midfield players. It's about having a balance and having a structure that gets the best out of the players that you have. Or once you have a structure that you want to go with and you want to move forward with and you want to persist with, you need to make sure that you have players who fit that structure really, really well. And right now, I'm not really sure where Declan Rice would fit into that. He isn't an eight. He's a six to me, but he's not a better six than Thomas Partey. So if you're bringing him in as an addition to Thomas Partey, then I can't justify spending mad money on him. That's that's just how I see it. Um, interested to see what you guys think in the chat box. If I am uh, blowing my nose or sipping my coffee mid-podcast, if you're just joining us, I do apologise. I am sick as a dog again. Oh, just one of those things. <laughs> I honestly blame the kids. Honestly, every week they come home from school or nursery and they've got some sort of cold. And then obviously you're with them, you live with them, you, you pick it up, don't you? Uh, let's see what we got. Um, before we do that, though, Callum says, a uh, column, I should say, says over 200 watching, only 23 likes. Time to scold the chat, Harry. Yes. What are you waiting for? What are you playing at? There's loads of you watching. There's nearly 300 of you watching now. And we still don't have 100 likes. I want to get to at least 150. Come on, guys. Let's do it. Uh, what else have we got? Right. So, um, name says... Uh, the reason there is premium on English is the homegrown and foreign quotas rule. There isn't an English rule. There's a uh, there's a homegrown rule, um, which I understand and I and I appreciate that Declan Rice obviously falls into that category and that's a bonus. But I mean, how much is that in itself worth? Is it worth thirty million pounds? Because by my estimations, that's how much Declan Rice's price is overblown because of the fact he's English. So you've got to work it out. Do you think that having a homegrown player is worth £30 million more than having a player that's not homegrown? Because in terms of ability, I don't think he's a £100 million player. Uh, Anthony says, Harry, it's £70 million, not £100 million. Um, 90 men who broke the story, colleagues of mine, obviously, uh, really good friends with uh, with both Toby and Graham who, who put this story out. Um, you know, they say that it's that it's a, it's going to be over a hundred million. That West Ham have been very, uh, you know, adamant about that throughout the the last couple of seasons when there has been interest building around Declan Rice. Will that change if they get relegated? I'm sure it will. Will that change if they find themselves, you know, stuttering over the line come the end of the season? Yeah, their bargaining position won't be as strong, and so perhaps you could negotiate something else, but. At the moment, there's there's no indication that West Ham are willing to accept anything below what they've said they would sell him for in the past or what they said they'd consider in the past. 
Jack Burgess says, if Partey is injured, we have El Nenny. That drop-off is as big as it gets. I agree with you. I don't disagree with you um, that the drop-off is too big. I don't disagree with you that we could really do with someone who we can trust to fill that Thomas Partey role when um, when he's unavailable. There's, there's an argument that, you know, yeah, Declan Rice isn't as good as Thomas Partey at some of those elements. That, you know, I think the biggest one for me is the is the 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 progressive passing. I think that that is massive and I think it really helps us. And I think the way Partey can take the ball off the back line, then break the midfield line and find often not just the wide players and the centre forward, but often his midfield colleagues who have got that greater license to just bomb on that little bit more. I think, yeah, you're right. You know, we, we do need someone that can do that. That's maybe where, in my estimations, Declan Rice lacks a little bit. But what I would say is that, you know, Mikel Arteta's proven, hasn't he, that he can improve players. He's proven that he can uh, add things to their game. He's proven that he can get them up to a very high level. I mean, the most recent example is Eddie Nketiah, whose performance in the North London derby, with the exception of a couple of chances that I don't think, by the way, were anywhere near as easy as some people made out, I thought was excellent. Okay, uh, let's keep going. Let's see what else uh, you've got. Um, Kun says he cannot play eight, at least not for a top team. Not for us, he can't. The best he would be is a backup to Partey. Paul Ndungu says, where is the 100 million valuation coming from? He will have a year left in the summer. 60 plus 10 in add-ons max is what he should be going for. No, what I'm saying, Paul, is that up until now, West Ham have been adamant that that is what it will cost, north of 100 million. Remember, at one point, they were asking for 150 million. The, the point here is that we're going to have to go big to bring this guy in, right? And and the problem is the market is a mess at the moment, right? It, it's, it's a shambles. And that's partly due to the way some of the other Premier League clubs conduct themselves. I mean, Mikhailo Mudrik, 100 million euros, have a day off. Like, he's a, he's a talent, he's a prospect. But he's only a prospect and prospects, you know, very often don't live up to their billing. And it's a massive risk, a massive gamble to take. And ultimately, that's why Arsenal didn't want to do it, because, you know, they could have signed the player, but they didn't feel like pushing that high. They didn't feel like pushing that far to bring him in. It's not as though Arsenal and Chelsea went head to head, tabled the same financial terms um, and made the same financial offers. But Mudrik chose Chelsea. This is not what happened. Arsenal were unwilling to go beyond the deal that they felt was reasonable, which was in total around about 70 odd million euros. And Chelsea have decided to gazump that. So there are clubs that will dig their heels in, whether you think that's the valuation or not. You know, we've seen with Shakhtar that if a club has a valuation in mind, they will stick to that for as long as they possibly can until the bitter end. There may come a point where they have to compromise on that. In Shakhtar's case, that didn't happen. They got what they wanted. And I think West Ham will look at Declan Rice as their biggest asset at the moment financially. If they went down and, and the financial implications of going down are obviously huge, Declan Rice being sold for mega money could really soften that blow from the club's perspective. So they will try and get as much as they can. Clock N Seb says, you have Lakonga, Xhaka, Rice and Partey brackets. Rice wants to be at the Partey level but he won't accept coming into the club at the bracket below. That's a good point as well. Will he want to come if he's not promised the starting role? That's another thing we've got to think about and consider. Uh, Victor says you can rotate in between the Xhaka and Partey position based on availability. 
and rotating in between competitions. There's no doubt in my mind, Victor, that he would be a great rotational option. But again, I come back to what I said before. Would you spend that sort of money on a rotational option? And would a, would Declan Rice be happy being a rotational option? Because as good as he is, and he is a good player, he is not walking into that midfield that we have currently, in my view. And I think a lot of Arsenal fans will probably agree with that. Uh, Jewel Dan says he fits into the first 14 and is amazing cover for Partey and can fight Shaka for a place in the first 11. Our first 11 is good enough to win anything, but we need a first 16 or 17 um, where the drop-off is very small. I agree with that. I agree with that. Uh, what else have we got in the chat? Uh, <laughs> Zivania is the cure for colds. Yes, it is. I've actually got some in the in the freezer. I think I might have to... Uh, I think I might have to grab some a little bit later on. Uh, big hello to Casey Bourne. I hope you're well, Casey. Thank you uh, so, so much for tuning in. Great to, to see you here. Um, she says that the personal dream is signing Bellingham. Jude Bellingham's unbelievable. He would be he would be the dream. You're right. The, the thing is, though, as well, Jude Bellingham for me is, is an eight more than a six. So Jude Bellingham would quite be or would be quite able, I think, to step into the Xhaka role. Whereas Declan Rice, I think, is caught in that place between being a Partey and being a Xhaka for us. Bellingham would be a great fit as an eight. There's no doubt about that. And it's again, it's why people, I think, are unsure about Tielemans. It's why Arsenal have been unsure about Tielemans. Tielemans, for me, is an eight, not a six. But we don't really need, or we're not as desperate for cover in the eight role as we are in the six role. And and that's where what it comes down to, ultimately. Uh, good to see you in the chat, Casey. I hope you're well. And uh, yeah, get in touch. Hope you're good. Uh, what else have we got? Uh, lots and lots of questions. Lots and lots of comments. We'll, you know what? We'll get into the, the questions a little bit later on. So hold fire on them because I don't want them to get lost. Uh, I don't want them to get lost in the chat. Uh, Billy says, look, Harry, I've got nothing against your approach. I just don't think these links are real. The Declan Rice, Trossard and Rafinha links are just therapy clickbaits in the wake of the Mudrick fallout. Maybe, uh, maybe, but, you know, we got to discuss it because that's the news that is doing the rounds. That is what the, the papers are reporting. That is what many journalists are reporting at the moment. And it's worth a discussion. I've not ever sat here and said to you guys, when we're at the rumour stage in particular of, of things like this, I've never said to you guys, oh, yeah, absolutely, this is happening. Watch this space. I don't do that. I'm not ITK. I don't pretend to be ITK. I think it's a really dangerous game to play and I think you can work incredibly hard to build a platform and to build a podcast like this only to have it crumble down when you pretend that you know shit that you don't know um, everybody makes mistakes and all journalists are going by information and if that information proves to be wrong that can look bad on them but that's you know it's not really their issue they get something through They've got to make a decision whether they believe it or not and whether they feel it's worth reporting. And if they take that decision, then they have to take the risk that comes with that. And the risk is that you get it wrong. And the risk is that people will start on you, essentially, especially in the social media age. But, you know, I, I, I don't do that because I don't have any lines in. I'm not connected. I don't get fed information. It's very, very rare, very rare. I've heard a couple of times of, of results of behind closed doors friendlies. That's about it. 
you know, one piece of transfer information once. I, I, I don't do that. So yeah, people do that and that's fine. I'm not knocking the people that do that. It's their job. That's why I don't really class myself as a journalist because I don't bring you news. I discuss things, discuss topics and we try and, and make sense of them. Okay, uh, hold fire uh, on the questions in the live chat. I will get you guys to pop them in in just a little bit, but we've got uh, well over 400 of you with us live right now. So if I could just ask you, uh, please kindly to leave. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the finance world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bills so I don't dread April every year, producing a balanced budget, not just for football, and saving on travel because spending less on airfares means more money for an extra night and maybe a fancy dinner too. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money podcast on your favourite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Asked uh, a like on the video. We've only got 111 likes. There's no reason why we shouldn't have at least 250. Uh, and uh, if you could subscribe to the channel, if you're new, that would be very, very much appreciated. Going to take a very, very short pause. And then we're going to move on to Leandro Trossard and more. Okay, welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, part of the 90-min football network. Let's talk Leandro Trossard. Now, it is said that Arsenal have been offered Leandro Trossard by his agents. Uh, he scored seven goals this season, but finds himself isolated out in the cold at Brighton because of a falling out with manager Roberto De Zerbi. Now, there's two sides to this story, and the truth is probably somewhere in the middle. Roberto De Zerbi doesn't like his attitude, uh, said that he left training without permission, etc., etc., and almost hinted and suggested that actually the problem here is that Leandro Trossard is trying to force a move away from the Amex Stadium elsewhere. Leandro Trossard's people say that he was humiliated by the manager, that the manager didn't believe that he had an injury problem, etc., etc. So, look, I'm not going to get 
too caught up on that because I don't know the ins and outs of it. But is Leandro Trossard the player that Arsenal need in those wide positions? I think when you think about this logically, I think he is a good option. And I'll tell you why. So first of all, he's not a superstar. Okay, and that that might sound stupid, right? You might sit there thinking, well, don't you only want superstars? Like we're Arsenal Football Club. We're trying to win the Premier League title. Don't you want to sign solely superstars? But the issue with superstars is that when they don't start every game, they're unhappy. Somebody like Leandro Trossard, who's played at smaller clubs, would look at Arsenal as a step up and would probably be quite content, at least at the beginning, with being in and out of the side, with being part of the rotation. It's not a disrespect to Leandro Trossard, but you're coming from Brighton. You're not coming from Real Madrid as a first-team starter, whether you then can demand to play for Arsenal week in, week out. I think he's a great option, more so from the left than from the right, which, when I think about where we're short, I think we're probably shorter on the right. You know, beyond, beyond Bukayo Saka, I've got question marks. If Martinelli doesn't play, we've got Emil Smith-Rowe now, and I certainly think Emil Smith-Rowe is, is better suited to operating from the left-hand side. So that is a little bit off-putting for me um, on the Trussard front. And I said I wasn't going to read into the falling out incident too much, but it is a slight red flag for me. It is something that I think, you know, makes me feel a touch uncomfortable because we've worked so hard to get rid of these people. We've worked so hard to breed a better culture at the football club. We've worked so hard to ensure that that type of character, that type of ego, that type of disruption behind the scenes has been eradicated and has been removed from the squad. And that's cost us money. That's cost us effort. That's cost us the harmony of the dressing room. But those situations needed to be dealt with. And when they're gone, and since they're gone, you can see the difference. The other thing with Leandro Trossard is how much would he cost? You know, £15 million is what some people are talking about. And that is only as low as it is because Leandro Trossard is, um, you know, someone that's out of favour at Brighton right now. Let me just bring up his uh, his profile. Bear with me a second. Let's just have a quick look at the Leandro Trossard contract situation because I did look at this earlier today, but it's gone out of my mind. What he is, though, is a 28-year-old who's been there, done it, who's experienced. He's not a kid that's going to have to adapt. He's not a kid that, you know, is, is going to need some time to get up to... His level, we know what his level is, is pretty good in a Brighton side that have been pretty good, but it, could it be even higher in a good Arsenal side? Yeah, I'm sure it could be. 28 years old, though, doesn't really fit into our profile of player that we like to recruit. Um, so, you know, I've got to think about that. Um, you know, what would the contract look like? It would have to be shorter term than some of the contracts that we're offering to, to other players and, and other potential um, you know, other potential targets, I guess. Uh, so look, we've got to think about that. There, there's so much we've got to think about, man. This is this is a tough one. But look, Leandro Trossard, 28 years old, experienced in the Premier League. He's got seven goals and three assists in 16 Premier League appearances so far this season, um, which is obviously great. You know, happy days. Uh, you know that he can do it in this league. His contract expires in June 2024. So come the end of this season, he'll have a season left which obviously plays into the whole price thing as well. If the deal can be done at a reasonable amount of money, and when I say reasonable amount of money, I'm talking 15, 20 million pounds, so that he can boost us and help us through 
the remainder of this season and next season as a rotational player and maybe the season even after that, then I'm okay with it. But the price has got to be right. Now, people keep saying to me, why the hell do you care about the prices of these players? Why the hell do you take so much interest in that? Why don't you just sit back, let your club spend the money, it's their money, and and just forget about that side of it. Why can't you as a fan put that to one side? Well, the reason I can't put that to one side is because when money has been spent badly, we found ourselves in a situation that is taking years to recover from. That's why we were in the place we were when Mikel Arteta took over. The fact that we'd not only overspent on players with regards to transfer fees, but the fact that we'd given you know, players that weren't good enough ridiculous contracts made it then harder to move them on. And it meant we couldn't be as as active in the transfer market as we wanted to be until we got people out the door. So those mistakes, you don't just pay for them in the in the short term, i.e., you know, by paying the transfer fee. You pay for them in the long term because you get stuck with these players. You know, Pepe, as Ezekiel, uh, Ezekiel says in the chat, uh, is a prime example of that. Ozil, another one. You couldn't move those players on for love nor money because nobody wanted to pay what they were on in terms of their salaries. Nobody wanted to pay a transfer fee that was even remotely close to what we paid for them. And then once you get to the point where you've got a player and you look at him and you don't think he's good enough and so you leave him out of the side, that devalues him further. And then what happens is you get stuck. And that's why I care about what Arsenal spent. That's why I care about the risk versus the reward. So Ben White, £50 million, I thought that was too much money. That was a risk that we took. It was probably a risk by about £15 in comparison to how I valued him and to what Arsenal paid. So I valued that at about £15 million worth of risk. But it's paid off because he's been excellent. Aaron Ramsdale's paid off. It's been excellent. Gabriel has paid off. He's been excellent. The decision to let William Saliba go out on loan and potentially, uh, you know, cause a problem there by him maybe feeling unloved and unwanted has paid off because he's now back at Arsenal Football Club and he's telling everybody how much he loves it here. Sammy Laconga was a, a 15, 20 million pound risk that maybe hasn't paid off. So you will get some that, that work and you'll get some that don't. But if you spend 15, 20 million pounds on a player and it doesn't work out this day and age, you can recover from that relatively quickly. And then even if you only get 10 million for them when you move them on, you've, you've managed to recuperate some of that value at least. And so the loss isn't as significant. And so then your club are able to go back into the market quicker in order to try and put that right. So risks have to be calculated when you operate financially the way that Arsenal do. KSE have been brilliant, I would say, in the last 18 months with the way they've supported Mikel Arteta. And, you know, that deserves a lot of praise and a lot of credit. But this isn't going to go on forever. I've said this to you guys many a times. This is something that they will do and they'll be happy to do until they get us back into a competitive position. And then I'm sure having made a number of long-term investments, they'll take a little bit of a step back with regards to what they're spending. They'll put the brakes on it and then they will look at it and say, well, look, we've we've invested in some of these players. We've got sellable assets now, which is something we haven't had at Arsenal for years. You're going to have to balance it, guys. You're going to have to sell sometimes. And, and sometimes, you know, you're going to have to do that to be able to move things around and, and move mountains to bring in the players that you want. So it's it's difficult. It's difficult. Um, but in conclusion, Leandro Trossard is someone I'd, I'd 
I think would be a good option as a squad player, as a rotational player, if we could get him in for 15, maximum 20 million pounds on a what? Three-year deal. If you go any further than that, I think that the risk becomes greater. Well, that's an obvious thing to say. But then it gets into that uncomfortable space for me. So, yeah, that's my view uh, on that. Uh, what else have we got? Uh, I want to just quickly uh, bring up uh, some quotes from uh, the Orlando uh, FC uh, winger, uh, Facundo Torres. He spoke to my colleague uh, at 90 Min, Lizzie Becherano. Um, she's brilliant. She covers all the MLS stuff and North American football for 90 Min. Check her out on social media. She sat down um, and, and spoke to, to Facundo Torres. Um, it's been picked up by a lot of outlets. Um, Fabrizio Romano put a tweet out about it. He mentioned 90 Min in it, but he didn't tag them and he didn't tag Lizzie Becherano which is shit because she is the source. She did this work. She she got this interview. And so I want to make sure that I highlight that because Lizzie's a colleague of mine. She's a lovely person. She works incredibly hard, super knowledgeable on North American football. And I think she deserves the, the praise for getting this scoop, basically. So here's what he said. He said, um, uh, he said, Orlando City confirmed to me that there was contact with Arsenal but then I left for the World Cup and I didn't want to hear about a potential transfer at that point. So the conversation stayed there. But now that I'm back with the team, we will see where that conversation goes. I would love to play in Europe. It's a dream I've had since I was a kid. At the moment, I am focused on Orlando City, but La Liga or the Premier League would be my targets. And that's where the rumours are coming from. But yeah, I would absolutely love that. So Facundo Torres revealing there that Arsenal did make some contact uh, with Orlando City. Over a potential move hasn't come to anything yet. Will it come to something between now and the end of the window? Potentially, but we do know that the interest in him is concrete. And you know why we know that? Because they haven't gone to his representatives. They've gone directly to Orlando City. You don't do that unless you're serious. I know that's the way people think transfers should work, but we all know that tapping up goes on. We all know that informal conversations are held behind the scenes before it gets to the point where you approach the club. So yeah, interesting stuff. Um, do, do I like Facundo Torres? I, I don't really know an awful lot about him. If this did progress, I would do a bit more research on him and be able to give you a more informed opinion. But yeah, um, he's an option that's been on the radar for a little while. And I wouldn't be surprised if Arsenal made that move uh, between now and the end of the window. Okay, let's get your questions. Let's get your thoughts in the live chat. We'll wrap up the show that way. Uh, my God, it's hard work talking when you're bunged up. Um, get your questions in. Start throwing them in the chat box. Uh, just a quick reminder as well that we are now uh, pointing the wrong way. We're all pointing this way or that way. There it is. We're now available on another slice, the membership platform. So if you want to support the podcast, um, support the Great Ormond Street Children's Hospital, whom we're making donations to, uh, and uh, and get access to our premium content, you can do so by visiting the Another Slice platform. The link is in the description. Visit anotherslice.com slash chronicles of a gooner. Create your account on the platform, log in via that account and subscribe to the channel, uh, to the show, to the podcast. Uh, you will then be able to download the app if you'd like to. 
um, and you can access all the content there. You can access it on the website too, but on the app, it's a lot easier. Also, you can take the custom RSS feed for our premium content and plug it into whichever podcast app it is that you like to use. I know a lot of people like to use Apple Podcasts as an example, and you'll be able to take that RSS feed and plug that in there so that it all lives in the same place. Um, yeah, check it out. Uh, the last bit of premium content was the player ratings after the Spurs game. Uh, we'll have another bit dropping tomorrow uh, and then there'll be another bit dropping later on in the weekend and there'll be post-match player ratings, of course, um, following the Manchester United game. So there's plenty to come this week as well. So it's worth signing up. Check it out. Okay, let's go over to those questions. Let's see what we've got. Um, AJ says, Harry, do you think something seriously needs to be done in the market with regards to spending? Surely this can't be sustained. Uh, also, thoughts on the five Champions League spaces in 2024, I believe. So I think that's going to happen at the Champions League spaces. Personally, do you know what I would do if I was England? If I was the FA, if I was the Premier League, I'd say take one of those spaces away and give it to the FA Cup winners. How interesting would that be? It would just breathe or breathe life back into the um, the FA Cup, wouldn't it? That's what I would do with it personally. But going back to what you were saying about, do I think something needs to be done about spending? Absolutely. And I hope that FFP, financial fair play, was going to be that. I hope that financial fair play was going to come in and help and, and and sort of regulate this in some sort of way. But what's happened is that clubs have just found ways around it, which means that the, the system is not watertight, that the system is, is flawed, that the... Uh, you know, the regulations are there to show that UEFA are doing something, but really they don't want to limit the money in the game. They don't really want to um, put off the potential of huge investment from overseas, etc., etc. FFP is a bit of a joke at the moment and Chelsea are making a mockery of it, among other clubs as well. They're not the only ones. Even us, I mean, even Arsenal, we haven't turned over any money really in terms of transfers incomings yet we've spent a lot of money our financial books haven't looked great over the last couple of years we've made losses yet we're still able to spend so uh, this is not me throwing mud at other clubs you know I, I think the whole system is flawed I think there's a big issue with it and if it was implemented properly and enforced correctly then I think that we'd see a much more level playing field and then the ability of teams to scout and the ability of coaches and and all of that would would jump up in terms of its significance. And I think that's healthy for the game. What you've got now is you've got clubs like Chelsea sitting there, not doing any scouting, not really bothering with anything, um, taking a scattergun approach, signing players that they know, you know, that they or that they think will go on and, and reach incredible heights. But you know, putting them, bringing them in uh, at ridiculous amounts of money over ridiculous contract lengths etc etc um so yeah it's yeah it's it's not helpful and it's not good for the game you know for someone to go and pay i keep banging on about this but for someone to go and pay 100 million for michaelo mudrick on top of 20 million just to loan joao felix for six months that's mad and it's not just this window chelsea have been at this for a little while and um, and I think something needs to be done about it. I really, really do. But yeah, great question. Uh, thank you for it. Uh, Trini Guna says, do Arsenal make a run for Bellingham or Enzo Fernandez now? Again, you're talking about these guys being worth in excess of £100 million. I don't think it's a January deal. I don't think you do any of that in January. I really don't. I, I think Arsenal will be reluctant to do that. Hence why they were reluctant to pay for 
uh, pay what they w were asked to pay for Mikhailo Mudrik, a player that they clearly like. As well, you know, if I'm Jude Bellingham, I'm not moving mid-season. Uh, there's something I don't like about mid-season moves. If it were up to me, the January window wouldn't exist. Um, but it does. And, you know, that that then adds a pressure on the football clubs to, to act because the fans are expected. But ideally, if you do your recruitment right, you don't want to add in January. You know, January is, is seen as an opportunity to address issues and emergencies, but it isn't seen as, at least within the world of football, as a, a window in which it's desirable to do lots of business in the way that the summer is. Uh, let's see what else we've got. Apologies if I missed some of your questions. I'm just picking at random. Uh, Snipe dot says, uh, big up, Harry. Uh, who should we go for now? We have lost out on Mudrick to Chelsea, even though it didn't bother me in the slightest. I'm going to do a, a video. Uh, we'll do one this week on the players that we should um, that we should be looking at. I'll give you a top five because uh, I need to think about this. As I mentioned, Leandro Trossard feels like a good short-term plug, but maybe not the long-term option that people seek. Uh, we'll have to see what happens with that. But yeah, if the price is right, I'd look to do that. Again, for me, I'm okay with us being a little bit cautious in this window if it if going over the top is going to mean that we limit our spending in the summer. I've always said this. I think that I think that the only deals I want to see Arsenal do in January are very low risk ones, i.e. loans, small transfer fees in areas that you feel need addressing, or deals that you had earmarked for the summer anyway, maybe you have to pay a little bit over the top to bring those deals forward so that that, that player can help you in the interim. That's the type of business that I want to see um, Arsenal doing a January window. Uh, who was it that predicted the sneeze time? Because it's coming up. Someone predicted eight minutes. I lasted 43, which is pretty good. Oh, there's another one coming. There you go. They always come in pairs, don't they? Sneezes. Sometimes in more than pairs. Oh, God, I'm all over the shop. Uh, let's take this one from uh, Jid, who says, we started the season stronger on the left flank than the right. Now we seem to find more joy on the right than the left. Do you think Zinchenko's injury played a part in the left getting quieter? Excuse me. Um, yeah, I think we're much more effective down the left when Zinchenko plays. I think the other thing is that people have identified Martinelli now as as much of a threat as Bukayo Saka and in the past that wasn't the case I think at the start of the season people focused on on Bukayo Saka a lot and, and still do but were almost looking at that left side and saying well Zinchenko's not really a left back Granit Xhaka goes out there he's not the best attacker and Gabriel Martinelli's still a bit of an unknown quantity at least to those outside of Arsenal Football Club and then what's happened over the course of the season is people have seen the value of Zinchenko in that position. They've seen uh, how good Martinelli can be, how difficult he can be to live with and and how they need to put multiple players out there to deal with him. Add to that as well, that the system means that Zinchenko tucks in field. And because Zinchenko tucks in field, it's very rare that he goes on the overlap of Gabriel Martinelli. So very often, we don't create that overload. We create it in the midfield as opposed to in the wide area. Whereas on the right-hand side, Ben White will get forward. Odegaard will go out there as well. And there we, there we create the overload. So maybe that's why 
yeah. as well. Uh, listen, I'm going to take one or two more questions just because I feel really, really shit. Um, so apologies for potentially cutting the podcast just a little bit short, but it's got to be done. Um, one second. Anthony says, Harry, do you feel that these journalists who leak Arsenal information are damaging the club's chances with their targets? Every team now know we won't entertain a bit more and we have 95 million euros. I'm not going to say that they're damaging our chances. A lot of the time, those lines on players originate from the clubs. Sometimes they originate from intermediaries. Sometimes they originate from agents. But a lot of the time, clubs feed information out. And I know that for a fact. So if clubs feed information out, they can't then have the arse with people that then go on and report that information. So, yeah, it's it's a difficult balance to find. Um, and, you know, obviously fans nowadays are probably more informed than they've ever been. Uh, journalists are probably more informed than they've ever been. And that means that it's very difficult to keep these deals under wraps. And then what happens as a consequence of that is is the, the risk of Chelsea, for example, doing what Chelsea did becomes greater so yeah I don't think they're damaging us but I'm sure the club would like to do some things in the shadows they did the Fabio Vieira deal completely in the shadows nobody even knew that that was a, a, a possibility so you'd hope that they can do something quite quickly and do something in a similar way whereby they're keeping it quiet um, and then that avoids the the clamour that comes with it that avoids the fans getting their hopes up but it also avoids other clubs looking at that player and going hold on a minute their recruitment's been bloody brilliant the last couple of years and they're looking at him so maybe we should be looking at him as well but yeah anyways gonna leave it there um thank you all so so much uh we've had over 500 with us throughout the duration of this it's been unbelievable we've got 173 likes on the board can we get that up to 250 before we go uh, that would be amazing. Uh, one like for every time I had to reach for a tissue or, or sneezed uh, during this show uh, from each of you would be great. Uh, thank you all so, so much. Uh, don't forget to check out the Another Slice platform uh, where you can get access to our premium content. Don't forget to subscribe if you're listening on audio as well. Apologies for the croaky voice. Apologies for the sneezing and all of that jazz. But Hopefully that'll pass very, very soon. Thank you all so, so much. Uh, love to every single one of you, and I will see you all soon. Goodbye. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.